How are the leaders at all levels of management tackling the toughest challenges each day? That's the question. And this podcast is the answer. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'm bringing on the brightest minds in management to share practical solutions to those challenges you're facing. Let's get ready to jam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam Session. Today's guest is Kim Catania. With 28 years in the biopharma industry, she has been a part of a wide range of companies, from small innovative startups to traditional big pharma. She has held most commercial roles in sales, marketing, both first and second line leadership roles, and head of training and development. Kim discovered her passion for coaching, learning and development a long time ago, and honed her expertise as a strategic consultant, creative learning strategist, coach, and facilitator. And as such, founded Catania Communications 10 years ago. Kim, welcome to the Leadership Jam session. Hey, Rob. Thanks so much for having me. And are you ready to jam? I'm totally ready to jam. Let's get going. All right. It's great to have somebody on the show that has a similar background where we spent years in different uh, levels of, of, of managing and managing teams and a passion for learning and development. And, and you launched your own learning and development company. And so... I'm curious, we probably get similar requests from our clients, but the one thing I've been getting a lot over the past year is working with clients and helping them with coaching different generations. That seems to be a big topic out there. Is that something that that you hear and, and you're getting requests from your clients? You know what? You bring up a really good point. There are different generations out there and it's hard to manage, coach, lead, work with so many different kinds. But let's back up for a second and define the generations because that's a foundation of the workforce, right? Think about it. We've got your boomers who are born before 1965, and they're probably your older folks that are 59 and up. Then you've got your Gen Xers, which are probably people like you and me, born 1965 to 1980. We're in our mid-40s to late 50s. Then you've got your millennials, right? Those folks are 1981 to about, what's the age, 1981 to 96, and their age range is somewhere around 27 to 42. They take up the lion's share of the workforce. Then the big one that's a challenge for so many of us is the Gen Zers. They were born somewhere between 1997 and 2012. They're 26 years old and under, and they're taking the workforce by storm. In fact, they're, going, they're about a quarter of the workforce right now, and in the next decade, between them and the millennials, they'll be close to 100% of the workforce. So we've got to figure out a way to coach, manage, lead, work with, and communicate with them. And it's not easy. They're different. Yeah. And there's, there's not too many boomers left out there. My boys love to call me a boomer. I'm like, I'm not a boomer. I'm, I'm not quite there. And yet they still love to throw the terminology around. No, I like, I like saying Gen X because at least I sound a little bit younger. Exactly. <laughs> It's funny, as I think back, Generation X, you and I, we always complained about millennials. That's just the reality. The, the Gen X has complained about them. And then all of a sudden, it's funny, as millennials are now taking up the majority of the workforce, they're complaining about the Gen Zs. Yeah, they're really different. Think about it. This is the first generation that was born with the internet. 98% of them have a smartphone in their hand pretty much all the time. No other generation can ever say that. And we don't know how to relate to that because we were born without the internet and without any of that. For us, we'd reach on the shelf to grab an encyclopedia to look something up. Young people can sit there and click, swipe, and scroll to find out anything. They can fact check a professor, a teacher, a parent, a boss, a coworker, right then and there. The difference with this group, 
because they can hold more than one screen and be very comfortable with it. We always say that multitasking is not a great thing and you can only focus really well on one thing at a time. Uh Uh-uh. Millennials can hold up to three screens at a time without any issue and bouncing back and forth, which is leveraging so many different aspects of the brain. Gen Zers, they're completely out of our league because they can do up to five screens at a time. In fact, I think one of the studies shows that about 78% of them have at least two screens going at any given time. And they can pay attention and listen to you telling them to, I have two Gen Zers in my house right now. They can be on different screens and listen to me telling them to set the table or make their bed. And they're still on their phone, they're on an iPad, and they're playing a video game on a big screen all at the same time. And they caught it all. We can't do that. We don't have that ability. Our brains were not wired that way. How would you approach coaching them? Or is there any advice in terms of how we should be approaching how we coach them? So it's a great question. I'm sure you get the same question as well a lot. I'd love to hear your side of it. What, what I've learned from working with this kind of generation between the combination of millennials and the Gen Zers is things need to be digital. Things need to be bite-sized. Things need to be efficient. And they want to buy into it. So you can't just tell them what to do. They don't want to be told what to do. They want to align and have a conversation that works with them. Because think about it, how they've grown up in society is very different than we have. They've got media events and things that have gone on that they get right away. You can't just put a newspaper away and shut the TV and they don't hear about what's going on in the world. Everything's in front of them. They're used to getting feedback quickly and learning things very quickly. They're impacted by things like diversity and equity and inclusion. They're impacted by social media and the amount of likes you get on something. All of us were impacted by COVID-19. That changed everything with the shutdown of the pandemic. So when you coach and talk to and communicate with these folks, it's got to be clear. It's got to be direct. It's got to be efficient. And then they have to have buy-in into it. So many people coach them the way we were told, which is you're told what to do and you're not having an interactive, engaging conversation with your coachee. But think about coaching inherently. Inherently, coaching is a collaborative approach, right? It's you ask a question, you talk back and forth, you find the input, and you come up with a plan together. That's what coaching should be anyway. Feedback is when you tell somebody, right? Specific situation, provide input, tell them how it made you feel or how it worked or what they need to do differently, et cetera. I feel that this generation is very different and they really expect to be an equal regardless of title, Mm. regardless of role. They want to be part of it. They want you to support them and they want to be included in everything that's done. And if it's done effectively, it's a great way to grow, develop and retain talent. In fact, you know what? They're so into social media these days that about 50% of them will use TikTok for career advice. Seriously? Seriously. I was reading and I came up with and more than one place documented that over 50% of millennials and especially the Gen Zers will go for career advice on TikTok. And I shook my head and I blinked and I refreshed and it was still there. I don't even know how to get on TikTok. I don't even know. I, I always definitely use it, but that is interesting. Some of the things we have a hard time relating to. So think about when we were little and our grandparents couldn't relate to us. I feel like we're the grandparents now, even though we're really not. Maybe some of us in our generation are. But relating to them, I scratch my head because I don't need to have my phone attached to me. And for them, it's another organ. Communicating with them has to be quick, concise, informational components on things like 
Slack, things like Teams, things like uh, WhatsApp. If a company is using any of these things, thumbs up and kudos to you because you're staying ahead of the curve. But your text should be quick. It should take no more than eight to 12 seconds max to read. It shouldn't be paragraph. How many times have somebody sent you a paragraph and it's war and peace on a text or a Teams message? Uh-uh. They will not. They'll just scroll right past it. You lost them after the first five words. Do you think any of the styles come into play? For, for example, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, right? I, I definitely see that in terms of things need to be bite-sized. They need to be quick. Um, tech, for sure. I'm wondering when we did look at different like styles, like whether it's insights or colors, whether you're a C or a blue and you're very analytical, mm -hmm. these individuals do like, they want more type of text. They want more. They're, they're very detailed. Do you think that still comes into play with Gen Z? Yeah. That's a really good question. So many times when you're doing learning and development programs, you implement pieces like DISC, like Colors Insights. Like we, I think we talked about it one time. There's some groups that use the birds. Are you a pigeon? Are you a raven? Are you a robin? These crazy things. But we all have something. You're red, you're yellow, you're, you're a D, you're an I, whatever. It's got to factor in, right? Because personality style still layer on. And implementing things like situational leadership or something similar still comes into play. You just have to flex your style as you would with anybody to recognize how to make impact and reach that person. You're flexing a style to reach a certain kind of personality. You also have to flex your style to reach to a certain kind of generation. Yeah. If they're going to pay attention to you, if it's in a text, then send them the text. So it sounds like from what we're talking about that maybe the fundamentals still apply, but it's the approach perhaps, or how we're doing? Yeah, it's definitely the approach and the way we communicate. We've got to align with them. Think about when we grew up, it was you go to work, you're at work from like eight to five, nine to five, you get two weeks vacation. If you check all the right boxes, you get to be promoted. Think about the life sciences industry, for example. If you go into life sciences, you need to do X, Y, and Z before they'll promote you to a senior this or a senior that, or you can go into this kind of a program. Some big companies, you have to check so many boxes and do flips before they'll let you get promoted to be a manager. I know I went through that. I'm sure you did as well. Mm -hmm. These people don't want to work that way. They need to apply what their knowledge is and they're smart and they really want to learn. You give them the awareness and you give them the opportunity and let them go practice it. And then they want to move up right then and there. So you need to coach them a little bit towards being a little patient and have some perseverance. Because sometimes application and experience make sense. Mm. I've got a 17-year-old that thinks he knows more than I do. And I'm like, when he started to drive, I'm like, I've been driving 40 years longer than you. And he still thinks he knows how to do it better. And that's a generational thing, right? So we have to flex our approach, but we also have to be mindful that how you do it, just because they're saying this is how they want it doesn't mean it's right. We still yeah. need to want to guide the, this group a little bit to understand that patience is a virtue and experience and understanding and going through something teaches you how to do it the same way better the next time or not do it that way. One thing I, I like to use a lot when I'm coaching folks and teaching them in development programs is think about the episode in Batman where, where Alfred sits there and says to him, why do we fall down? We fall down so we know not to fall down that way again. Right. You learn how to do it differently the next time. And maybe you make another mistake and that's OK, but learn from it. And that's 
how you grow and develop by being uncomfortable, by making mistakes. I feel like this generation doesn't necessarily want to make the mistakes because they think that they know without having to do. I think that's a great point. And I do think that we as leaders, we also have to make sure we're giving them the space to experiment, even to make mistakes as well. Because sometimes they also need to learn on their own too. And sometimes that comes through mistakes because they think they know how to do everything as well. That's a really good point. Yeah, they do. Uh, everyone needs to learn by mistakes. And I'm not saying just go out there and fall off a cliff. Right. You want to do, let them people do that. However, when you're developing a program for any generation, especially this generation, you have to give them pieces that align with what their needs are. So think about what you're trying to get them, where you're trying to get them, and how are you going to get there? So always think with the end in mind. You want them to get to here, but how do you do that? Give them some bite-sized learning, align with what they think their needs are so they align with you, give them pieces at a time, let them go out and experience something, maybe they make a mistake, come back, course correct, provide immediate feedback. Think about it. They're used to getting likes right then and there, so they want feedback a lot. In fact, I think there's a good percentage of them that they'll be more apt to want to go to an organization that has advanced technology that will leverage technology to give them that feedback. Mm -hmm. And when you build a learning journey for people like that, where it is bite-sized, there's micro-learning, there's on-the-job activities, that's getting that experience. And then you coach and provide feedback. You can get them to the goal we want them to get to because we know what good is, not just looks like what is. I think it helps them with some patience and perseverance to get to be successful maybe faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Where do you think the gap might be? Because there are a lot of millennials that are moving into high-level positions now mm -hmm. and are managing even at higher levels. That's because Gen Xers are, a lot of us are retiring, moving out of the workforce, wherever the case may be. And Soon, right? One day, hopefully. But yeah, so what do you see are maybe some struggles between millennials and Gen Zs in coaching? Or do you see any disconnects or struggles they may have? It's, it's a really good question. They probably are more aligned in a lot of ways mm -hmm. in the way that they want things more now. Mm -hmm. They do know the internet. They do have social media. They are weaned on that a little bit. The thing that's different is that they were developed by people like us. Yeah. So they recognize the nine to five and they are probably struggling. And what I hear from folks out there, and this is real life, is the work-life balance component is a big deal. Where my, our mindset is nine to five. I still have some older clients or clients in my generation, our generation, that think that you need to be sitting at your desk from nine to five. End of story, hard stop. COVID has taught us that, and I'm always of the school of, it's a 24-hour day. If I want to work at 10 o'clock at night because that's what works for me and I want to work out or go to the gym or something at 11 o'clock in the morning, okay, fine. Maybe I come up with great ideas at 11 o'clock in the morning when I'm going for a run or lifting weight. And maybe at 10 o'clock at night, all of a sudden I wake up and I'm like, let me just do this. I got this great idea. These folks, the Generation Z, 24-hour day is great. Millennials are not necessarily, especially older millennials, they're not taught that way because they're taught like us, nine to five, Monday through Friday. And that's probably where the conflict is. And I hear this a lot with managers, like these people don't want to work this amount of time. They'll put all the hours in, but they think they know everything. 
And it's not saying they don't know a lot because they do have everything at their fingertips. So we had to go and do the research. Millennials had to go and do the research. Mm-hmm. The Gen Zers can just click, scroll, and swipe to find out anything they want. It's true because millennials are very inquisitive. They ask a lot of questions. Part of it was how they're taught. And I just didn't realize till you just said it that you're right, the Gen Zs, they were born with technology in their hand, the internet, and can just research basically anything as quickly as yeah. possible. There is a cartoon out there or a meme out there, and it shows a, a baby being held by the nurse and the mom had just had the baby and the baby's sitting there already scrolling mm-hmm. in their hand. And it's the meme. I can't remember the exact joke, but it has to do with Gen Z. And I laugh and just cock my head a little. I'm like, that's pretty accurate. It's crazy. It is crazy. So when you're coaching these folks, when you're developing these folks, you've got to think bigger picture and you've got to think who's your audience and how are you going to get there. So think emotional intelligence on steroids. Think self-awareness completely off the charts. These people are aware of it. They know when they make a mistake. They know when they do something wrong. They've got it. And they go back and they will course correct a lot. They're a highly intelligent, very, very impacted group that are aware of what's going on around them. And they have a mission to be better and they want to align with an organization. They seem to be like a very driven group of people. And that's a good thing for companies, right? But you've got to make them want to stay with you. That means you need to keep up with the Joneses and make sure that you've got technology, which is a big deal. Make sure that you have diversity and inclusion and equity in your organization. Make sure you recognize the challenges that that generation is facing because anything that happens in the world, they know right away. We didn't know it because our parents put the newspaper away. We didn't know what the heck was going on in the world when we were growing up. It is a very different place and you have to manage them accordingly. And they want to have input. Don't tell them what to do. Ask them, what do you think about that? Things like open-ended questions instill in them. You said that millennials are inquisitive and ask questions. With Gen Zers, you need to ask the open-ended questions or you're going to get the one-word response. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll ask my 24-year-old, how was your day? Good. All right. That's it. I ask my husband, how was your day? And I hear all about the traffic or the meeting that went long or what lunch he had or whatever it is. But them, it's any of the kids. It's I was at, leading a training session last week and I sat down with a group of them at lunch and they were all much younger. And I'm like, all right, so how's everybody doing? Thinking I'm asking some bubbly question and they're all going to start chatting with me. I'm like, we're good. Crickets. Yeah. You see the same thing? Oh, yeah. 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 100%. And you were sharing with me, actually, going back to the technology piece, the last time we were talking, like one of your clients was having an issue with something or logging into something. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. So, so you put all the generations in a room, right? We flip out and our Gen X, let's just go with us. Our age range can sit there and we think we know things. And then you've got people that, They don't even think twice about setting things up and just going with it. So we had a situation where there was a challenge with accessing uh, something on the cloud and it was on a SharePoint site. And the younger person who's a Gen Zer just was like, yep, no problem. Got it. Downloaded. We're all set to go. The older person, wonderful person, highly trained, extremely skilled, great, really flexible in style, tries to keep up with, with everything going on out there. Couldn't figure it out because they can only see it to the edge 
the edge of their face, their nose on the edge of their face. We're just not brought up that way to think that bigger, more strategic picture when it comes to the technology part of it. Mm-hmm. We may be strategic. We may have that whole visionary component to us, but not when it comes to the technology. Most people in this age range, we didn't develop that side of the brain early enough on. And I feel like we're kind of, they're at, we're at the mercy. Like they relate better to the whole AI thing. Yeah. That's a challenge with learning as well. Like we're implementing a lot of AI into our developing workshops and developing adult learning components, right? Now that's great, except that we need to make sure that it's still achieving the goals and it's still implementing adult learning process, right? You need to do discover, practice, apply. It's the simplest form of adult learning principles. But with the two, these two generations, both millennials and Gen Z, you need to ensure that they have some input into it. So think of a video game or something where they can make a selection and that directs the course of the next step of the game, if you will. Learning has to be set up that way. So it has to be multifaceted and that's harder for somebody to build. It'll be a little bit more costly if it's not done efficiently. And people that are older that own a lot of these companies that build out learning, they don't get it necessarily. They don't get that you've got to flex content. If you just have a webinar where you're throwing information to people, they're not paying attention to it. You've got to ask them. And if they answer something or click this, click that, it goes in a different direction depending on how they answer. And if we don't do that, you're going to run into the same situation that I had happen last week where the younger person is just zipping along and the older person is sitting there still hitting send on it. I, there's an episode of Modern Family when they do that. And it's like, no, double click, no, double click. And they don't double click. They don't know what that is. So it's fair to say that coaching Gen Z is a little bit different from our generation of when we say coaching, we're telling because it's the way they're learning might be a little bit different and how they acquire knowledge, right? And utilizing tech, utilizing bite-sized information and getting them to align on it versus just telling and showing them how to do it. Some of it is more of understanding how they're acquiring that information. Is that yeah, fair? That's a good point. Think of leadership approaches. Think of coaching approaches. You're right. A lot of it can be directive. This is a group that you probably don't want to be directive with. You want to ask open-ended questions. You want to get their buy-in or insight of how do you think that went? Explain to me what your thoughts are when you approached it, the situation this way. Let's talk this through and come up with a solution that works. And if you ask open-ended questions like that, You'll get them to tell you because they recognize it. They're very astute and intuitive, more so than many. And I used to sit in the car after a field visit with a rep when I was a first line manager and say, so tell me what you would do if you could do that. How did you do, do on that call? How did you do with that doctor or that staff, that hospital, wherever we were? And the first thing they want people want to tell you is what they didn't do well. That's great, but I want to know what you did well. And then we'll go back to what you didn't do well. With this generation, it's somewhat similar in the respect that they usually will recognize what they did well and what needs to change in order to move it forward because they are driven to be successful in a very different way. It's not always about the money or the title, but success is having a full, well-rounded life to them where they can do what they want to get there. So yes, maybe they want to be president or CEO. That's fantastic. But to drive their success, they will recognize what they need to do. And they're pretty quick on the uptake because of all that technology, that is a huge component for them. So productive will not work. It's got to be something where it's engaging and interactive and open-ended. 
like I said, they have enhanced self-awareness. And when you end a coaching session with them, it should be efficient, it should be effective, and you should have an action plan with very specific pieces. So whenever we do any kind of a training program, it's not just one and done. Not that training should ever be one and done, right? right? right. You should always try to do more than one piece. It should always be multifaceted. But you have to have some kind of coaching and sustainment plan so that if they leave you, their manager can help coach and guide them based upon what they learned. That means you need to provide somebody with additional open-ended questions and check-in times and things that people can do to help guide them to do it better. But if you direct them, they're going to shut down and I guarantee you, you're going to have a hard time retaining top talent. Regardless of generations, we all want the same thing, right? It's just how we're getting there is a little bit different. A lot. And in our, in our world, we never thought that work-life balance, like, oh, we worked hours and hours and hours and it was nine to five, eight to five. Oh, I worked long today. I worked until eight o'clock at night. Wow. You work these crazy, crazy hours. I remember I live in the Northeast and I would commute into Manhattan and to New York City. And this gentleman sat there and told me he's been riding the train for 18 years like this, like he should get a medal. It's like people that worked at IBM for 35 years and retired and got a gold watch. That is not the world anymore at all. And we got to remember that. And people in our age range or even millennials who are groomed and weaned by people like us they're going to struggle with dealing with somebody that is certainly not going to put up with that. Mm-hmm. Because soon enough, those Gen Zers are going to be the ones starting their own companies and running their own companies with people like them who get it doing it their way. Just speaking of how, how we used to do things. So just going back to the first team you've ever led, what do you wish you knew then that you know now? <laughs> what a great question. I, I, first of all, I was trained well by one of the organizations that I went to and they put us through this training so we understood how to coach how to lead a team etc but until you were in that role for at least a year you really don't know much at all you think you do but you don't and what do I think I what do I wish I knew I wish I knew how to onboard somebody better so that they could hit the ground running and help them be more successful because as a first line leader and a coach and a mentor to somebody you want to help them grow And if your feet are still wet, if you're barely out of your previous role and in this first line leader role, it is so difficult to do it. I I remember two things. One, my first office day, sitting at home at my desk as a first line leader, I was so excited. I'm working from home now of this office day. This was a big deal back in the day. And I sat down, I looked at my inbox, I look at the pile of stuff on my desk and I'm just like, rut row, now what? What do you do? And the second thing I remember distinctly is one of my best reps that I ever hired. So yay, we, they taught us how to hire great people. So that was fantastic. She's amazing. And she came to me. I had her mentor and help field train some newer folks. This is two years in. Now I'm two years in and I could look, look right. back. And she came to me and said, Kim, why didn't you do this when I was hired? And I looked at her and I said, I'm really sorry. I didn't even know you needed it because I didn't know. And you don't know what you don't know. And the one thing we have to remember, all the generations have to remember, sometimes you you think and you don't until you've tried it and experienced it. Like, think about, I'm thinking kids for for a minute. We'll put new food out on the table. I'll just try it. No, I don't like it. How are you going to know if you don't like it unless you try it? How are you going to know anything in this life unless you try it? I don't like the beach. Why? I don't know. I just don't. 
Have you, do you know what sand is? Do you know what sun is? Do you know what the water is? Unless you try anything, you're not going to know what it is. And if you like it. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's like what, what great leaders do too, right? They really allow space to try to see where their employees' strengths are, try to get them to take on different things, to even stretch them and to help them identify things that they maybe never even knew they were good at or that they, they could leverage. That's, that's a very good point. Excellent. Because a good leader and a good coach will see the bigger picture and recognize somebody's strengths. Yeah. And that person may not recognize them themselves until later on. And instead of telling them, kind of show them and guide them mm-hmm. or lead them down a road. So I feel like the best way we can coach these, these generations, these forward-thinking generations, is observe and see. And instead of being directive, kind of provide additional guidance and work with them to embrace what their knowledge level is, but then show them that there's a bigger world out there than what they think they're seeing on a screen somewhere. I think that's excellent advice. Face-to-face interpersonal interaction is always better. I mean, a Zoom call is great. A Teams call is great. A FaceTime call is great because you always get to see emotion, reaction, uh, inflection in someone's voice. Mm -hmm. But face-to-face, it's a whole different warmth about it when you get to know somebody. Think of the conference calls back in the day before we had all of this and you're folding laundry or flicking through a magazine or making yourself lunch while you're on a conference call. Or you didn't even have a a cell phone, so you had to sit at your desk and you're sitting there doing it that way on a regular phone with a a wire attached, wire phone. Like that's how we grew up. Mm -hmm. I just had a conversation with a manager, a new manager, newly promoted, and she she did a one-on-one with all her team members virtually. And and I said, are you planning on meeting with them live, even one-on-one? And she's like, she, she's trying. Maybe in like two months, she's going to get the whole team together. And I said, well, you may want to think about trying to meet with them a little sooner. And it was interesting. She said, it's funny you say that. I did meet with one of my employees one-on-one live, and I uncovered things that I didn't previously. And even though I did do a, a one-on-one Zoom, and it's exactly what you're talking about. It's just different at times, right? Getting to know somebody live, it's like going to a meal with somebody. It's an intimate and personal interaction. You learn what somebody's likes and dislikes are just from how they order a meal. Yeah. Just from even getting coffee with somebody, you learn more about a person and why they are the way they are. And as a coach and a leader, it helps you figure out and flex your style accordingly for that person. And everybody's different. So go back to what you were talking about early with DISC and color insights. These are great pieces. However, you need to leverage that and layer in so many other components to instill a culture of learning and a culture of growth and development for these people that's ongoing. And the best way to do that is to have interaction and not just text, not just quick little snippets, not emails but live face-to-face things, whether it's this way or face-to-face real, it, it's, going to help, it's going to help you better develop your people and better relate to your people, which is really what you want because that will help you achieve the organizational goals by developing those people. Do you think even for a, a very tech-dependent generation like the Gen Zs, that live interaction still makes a difference? Yes, because nobody wants to be best friends with a robot. As much as they think they, they, they do in a movie, in a cute movie. Yeah. No, people want to hold somebody's hand 
and help them actually down the line. You, you don't get married or have a partner that is a robot or a technology. You need to be face-to-face -face with that person. And learning interpersonal interaction, do it in your real life and do it in your work life. And there should be a balance between the two. Think about it. I watch the difference of how people text and how people are when they talk to somebody really in person. And it's very different. Yeah. And sometimes it's stilted when it's face-to-face -face because they're less comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Our goal, if we can impart any knowledge, is that interpersonal interaction helps elevate your game as a human being, which can't do anything but help you in your career and help your work-life balance because of the approach and the way you see everything. Listen, we're here for a reason. And if our reason is to impart some of that knowledge onto this generation, and if they can help us with the technology, maybe there's a way we can go hand in hand together after all. Totally agree. Well, Kim, it's been a pleasure having you on. Love the discussion. And we'll leave your information in the show notes as well. It's been a pleasure. And I love having this kind of a chat. Pick another topic. I'd love to do it again soon. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend or colleague who you think might also get some value from it. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast.